Hey, everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by Iron Company. Today, we're discussing various weightlifting gear that we have available to us. Unlike advanced gear engineered to help the lifter artificially hoist hundreds of pounds more than they could raw, these are simple tools of the trade used by many to help prevent injury, lift more weight safely, and to give us just a bit of a performance boost when needed. Uh, so I wanted to revert back to uh, my good friend, Marty Gallagher, who came up in, you know, the pioneer era of the 60s. There wasn't, uh, there wasn't much around. It was very minimalistic as far as equipment went. You had bars and plates and, you know. Uh, we didn't even have that. We lifted naked and, and we, we, and picked, and we, push -ups. We, we picked cattle up and walked around in circles <laughs> in the fields. Like, hi, my love. But, so back in the 60s, I mean, the gear, if, if, if anything, I mean, what did you guys have back then? Was it just belts? Did you have straps? Kind yeah, of a, weight, a, weight, a, a weightlifting belt was a big deal. That was it. Uh, straps. Yeah, they had straps. Um, past that, exercise bench, like a big innovation, probably the big breakthrough was when they put um, vertical supports on flat benches. So you, right. you know, permanent, permanent bench press support. Yeah. <clears throat> that created all of a sudden when that happened, the bench, when the widespread use of the flat bench with the bench press supports, that's started the decline of the overhead press is the key lift, right? Right. Well, and how did they have to do it before when you were going to get down they, on the bench to do it. a bench press? You, you cleaned it. You cleaned the weight off the floor and you pushed it overhead. Right. And that's what you did. And 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 people were Olympic lifters. Olympic lifting mm. was a thing, man. That was the, the test of your manhood was not how much can you bench. It was what can you clean and press? Because and you and nobody and nobody had racks to take it out of. <laughs> Yeah, so you were having to clean and press like with every exercise yeah. you wanted to do. So well, yeah, squat, squat racks were a big, cool thing. They, they started appearing in the 60s. That was uh, a big deal. Oh, they were terrible. Jim, do you remember they had, like the York ones, the, the, the catcher, it was like two inches wide. <laughs> so when you've just done a limit set, your knees are buckling, you have to land the bar on these little teeny things. You feel you got to be like an air traffic controller, yeah. right? Landing is seven forty-seven, right? That's right? oh, horrible. That's how the Marty. benches were too. Oh you know? yes, Marty, you, uh, you know, the squat racks with the tires. You know, uh, the, yeah, at the bottom you had a tire. Well, well, the well them on. That's that's that. when that's when we started taking control because we said we're sick of these. Oh, and the weeder squat racks had these smooth uh, catchers that was so easy just when you landed it just went whoa right on out so the guys started going well you know we're we're hillbillies we know how to weld so they would just get tire rims and weld uprights and they put some real catchers on there and uh yeah i mean i tell you what those were as good as the I can't cuss, but you know, the type that they have today, these overbuilt things that they have today, it's ridiculous. 
Yeah. I don't want to get into it. We don't want to spin yeah. off of that well, type of and that's for marketing and all that. You know, yeah, you guys I mean, have just used, very overbuilt though. Everything you guys have used racks, you know, especially down uh, in Virginia Beach. The the tubing is four by four, seven gauge steel. Each rack weighs like a yeah. thousand and ten pounds. Yeah, you know. Yeah. You know what? That, that's a lot of what the public wants today. They want it, they want like beefy and bulky and sexy and just heavy duty. And you, you don't need all that, but I mean that's what uh, a lot of people want. We have a bench at the gym that I train at. It weighs 150 pounds. It has wheels. You have to have a handle. It's like doing a one-arm deadlift <laughs> to That's pick it they, up and, yeah. to pick it up and move it. And it's yeah. like it's like Pat Casey bench 600 on a bench he picked up, walked across the room with, and sat down. If you look at that one, it's got one inch round tubing. <laughs> And he's got that thing loaded up. Uh, whose gym was that that they did the photo shoot? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Bill probably Bill Pearl's gym with Leo Stern photography. Remember how close yeah. the uprights used to be on those benches? Oh, yeah, they were terrible. Yes. You put, you put a 135, you put oh, a 135, it flips over. You got to have You put no, it but on. In that, in that picture, Pat Casey has like. Uh, I think it was Pat Casey. Yeah. It's, yeah. He's got like 600 pounds on this thing. Yeah, that's right. And you can't see it, but you swear that bench, the uprights are like wobbling back and forth, right? Well, he and weighed, I, and he, he weighed 320. And I don't know how, like, so now you, now you, now you got 920 pounds <laughs> on that thing. And, and it's 920 pounds with an impact. Bam, bam. He was repping 585, which is 645s on each side. On a chromium, a Russian Olympic set. And I've seen pictures of uh, uh, inclines with no uprights, and they would clean it and lay back. <laughs> I know. Arnold's time, when he first got here, Arnold and Franco. I remember uh, seeing Crazy. And he board, like, you know? How did Pat Casey get those two 200-pound dumbbells in place to incline them for six reps. No, just strong. And I, what? He didn't know that he didn't know. There wasn't anything else out there. This is what he had to do. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Yeah, anyway, we're, we're, we're kind of spinning out of control when we were no, talking about equipment, though, right? That's uh, history. It's lifting history, man. That's good. Well, look, um, at, look, at Penn, I had those benches that give you a lift off where you push the yes. rack forward. You know, because yeah. I was concerned about shoulder injuries with the wrestlers yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and then I got them put on the power racks where the whole lever comes forward. Oh, yeah. And they're in their bench and, you know. Highly, sophist highly sophisticated stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Jim, you were requesting all that stuff, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, once I, once the kids had it on their benches, um, you know, and it's hard. to well, What that does is it gives you your, the same lift off every time. You have to... You know, we've and this is way off target, but or you know, subject, but that liftoff is super important, man. You know, you've all had bad liftoffs where they drop it on you, where you know, where oh, they lift yeah. it out too fast, or now or you, you got don't, or you don't, right. or you don't have a liftoff, right? And then you're reaching way back, oh, and reaching way, way back. back, and it's just, yeah. yeah, and it's like, you know, you really need a liftoff to use our style of benching, yeah, and that's right, no. Martin, no question. No, I do like that design, yeah, because it, it is easier on your shoulders. You just it's a more natural lift off. You're just pushing straight up instead of pushing up behind you and then you know bringing it over top. So yeah, it's definitely helpful. 
Yeah, you know, um, just to sort of explain what Marty's talking about, when you don't, when you got to lift it off by yourself and you start off with your shoulder blades pinched together, your elbows in and all that, you lose all that when you got to reach back. And that's and why the arch the lift off and the arch. Well, that's, that's a good point too. Your feet too, you know, because your, your benching technique that these guys are talking about is very, very technical. And that's how they begin the, the scapular pinched together in the back and you know so that's how you want to start out you don't want to start out all cockeyed and, and you can't get in that know. position when the when you're holding the bar over your face that's right guess you called me today on this just very subject phil scarito okay yeah. so he said hey uh, i had a question uh, he said uh, well you know why do we arc back because i taught him i taught phil phil was unique in that he was a uh, he was a weight training virgin at like age 30. So I got him, right? He was a good athlete, great athlete, but he hadn't done any weight training. So I said, oh, okay. So we taught him everything perfect, right? From the beginning, right? So he, he learned the Fantano arc really well. So he, he called me today and he said, uh, why do we arc? I had questions on that. I said, well, because unlike in, the, in both the squat and the deadlift, your strongest muscles and your best leverage is at the top of the lift. But in the bench press, your weakest muscles and your worst leverage is at the top of the lift. Yeah. Well, that's huge. At the bottom. No, it's at your, because you're in the bench press coming off the chest, you have the pecs, you have the front delts, oh, you have the side delts, you have the triceps all working together to push Got that it. weight. At the top, you only have the triceps. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why we learned to arc. The reason it works so well for us to be Kirk was having a terrible time. He I called it running into the concrete wall. He'd push that weight to within four inches of lockout and just like he run into a concrete wall. And we once we learned the Fantano arc, where you arc back gently, then the triceps get rolling momentum and they get some assistance as the as the the resistance begins. Instead of just pushing straight up, hitting the wall, and now what are you gonna do? Push through the wall? Okay, maybe. Maybe not. Now, Marty, now, Marty from, from what I've seen you guys demonstrate and, and teach, um, the, the, the arc that you're talking about is minimal. It's not crazy yeah. like you oh, see no. on Instagram where people are like <laughs> bent in half and doing like a, a two-inch rep stroke. Well, um, some of that we like. <laughs> which I think is, is, is legal, but, yeah, you know, yeah. well, you no, basically... No, absolutely. No, we, we like some of that. Yeah, we like, uh, I have, we got a guy, Luke, who benches with us. Boy, he has an incredible arch. Like the Europeans, the European benchers were extremely good at arching. Yeah. And even though, uh, particularly yeah. the Japanese and the little guys, and it uh, with, a, with, a, with a, a huge arch and a wide grip, you have a minimal rep stroke, which is smart. And that's what we coach our guys to do. Now, I think the Russian women and the Japanese women got so good at that, and it was so short that they changed some rules about it. But uh, what do you stuff for a big guy. A big guy is not going to get that type of arch. They, but you definitely no. need You know, I always explain it like this. You know, take that posture that we're always talking about. You know, like cause kids come in, especially like the taller female athletes and some of the males, and they're all hunched over, shoulders down and all this. And, you know, we're always, we were always talking about get your posture up. get your, And then when we teach a hand clean, when we teach a power clean, when we teach – a bent over row we start standing tall 
right? And set your posture. Yeah. Then we get into yeah. position. Take yeah. that position. And put don't it on lose the it. Bench. And don't lose it. Right. And take that, put it right on the bench. And now think about your rib cage elevating a little more yeah. than that. And there you are, you know. And I, and the, I think and, the, and the, the coaching uh, – I think the coaching cue that you guys have given for that arc is you want to be able to get your hand under the lower back, like slide the, the hand under, underneath the lower back between the, the back and the bench. Yeah. So that's about how much of an arc you guys are basically uh, coaching. Or more. Uh, yeah, the, and again, the reason we do it is because it, if, if you bench flat as a pancake, a decline bench is easier than a flat bench, mm -hmm. technically. I mean, it's just easier. So right. we turn the flat bench into a decline bench uh, to improve <clears throat> leverage. Right. And it shortens the rep stroke. Right. And that's before we even address grip. We haven't even widened the grip, even just by arcing you shorten your rep stroke probably three to four inches. Now you get into some arching, some serious arching, and you really cut that cut that bench rep stroke down. And, and, and it, it forces you to power up. You have to maintain yes. tension. Well, and it forces you to use your feet. Yes, that's right. You, the way you get in that position is you lift your butt up and set it down lightly. Yeah. You know? and now all the pressure, you can feel, and if your quads are burning, you're doing it right. And, and that, that, but never settles on that right. bench. It touches right. the bench, but it doesn't settle on the bench. You know, when Rob Wagner would train for the Worlds and the Nationals, he would put a PVC, a big, thick PVC pipe under his low back. Yep. To emphasize right. that arch and mm. learn how to just stay right above it. And another trick that he would use is he put a, a, a like a ribbon with two weights under your butt so if your butt came off the bench, the ribbon would fall off the bench. Huh. Is that considered gear? I don't. <laughs> That's considered uh, it, it 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 said it, it said hey your 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 ass is coming <laughs> off the bench and that's a disqualification. So, so stop doing it. Yeah. So speaking of Hugh, now there's a guy that, that knew, uh, now he would build his own gear, so to speak. I mean, he had all kinds of crazy stuff on his rack did he, because he was a welder, right? So did he actually build his own rack? Oh yeah, that was nothing. And the weights and the bars and oh, everything. Yeah, 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 everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everything. He, yeah, he was, a, yeah. he was a metal sculpture artist. He was a high level craftsman who's, whose uh, metal sculptures were incredible. I mean, they were three-dimensional. They weren't flat. He started out doing flat wall reliefs, but then he got into 3D kind of monster nightmare creatures with glowing eyes. So it was pretty freaky. Marty wrote an article about Cassidy <laughs> one time, and I think it was in Milo, and I read it, and I cold called him, because I don't care. I'll call anybody, and I'll email anybody, and he wrote a program for me on the phone and you know, he started talking about, you know, Marty, and I didn't get it. And I put two and two together when I started reading your stuff and talking to you, he was talking about those pulls and I didn't I kept saying, you mean like a high pool? And he's like, sort of, it's like a, it's a, oh. it's sort of like a high pool, man. It's the, sort of like the, a high, you know, the heave. talking about you the, and the heave, <laughs> the that's heave. right. You should make a video on how to do the heave. It'll probably bring <laughs> the heave. Crazy memory, but uh, I remember he put that in. The no, those were those were nightmares. Yeah, he put that in the program. I was like, "What the hell?" Is that? 
<laughs> those weren't pleasant memories. Those were nightmares, effective nightmares. Well, super dude, super smart. I could tell on the phone, man. He was super smart. Yeah, and very reserved. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. One of the one of the craziest things I've heard you say about that gym down in his basement was because <laughs> he was making his own bars and everything. I think you guys had six foot bars. So I mean, yep. and, and yep. you know, torch cut plates and they would, yep. he would write in chalk, you know, this one yeah. is 96 pounds or this one's 48 <laughs> no, pounds JP, 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 that's an exaggeration. He didn't put it in chalk. He put it in magic marker. <laughs> but because the bars were so short, you guys, in order to uh, add weight, you had to strap coat hangers to the end of the bar and then hang plates and dumbbells from there. Right. Right. Past, past six thirty-five, you couldn't. So, Jim, I think the they bar. invented the uh, bamboo bar or, or the tsunami bar yeah, before anybody had it. it. That's right. They just didn't label it. That's right. <laughs> uh, also, oh, yeah, past six thirty-five, six hundred and thirty-five pounds, you had to hang dumbbells on somehow. So we figured the coat hangers would work. Also, you, but you had to do it so that it didn't hit the floor. You couldn't have them hanging low. Right, right. Marty, you had why to have them kind of tight. Why didn't he just buy an Olympic bar? Uh, you'd have to go back in time and ask him. I never raised that. Yeah, I know, because you were you I were think, a faithful... Uh, I think he did it on purpose, because uh, when, he, when he went... Because I think Marty's talked about this. When he would go to compete, yeah, using all these great bars and stuff, and he'd uh -huh. just power right through it, man. He'd just oh, kick man. ass. He'd, he'd routinely lift 50 more pounds in competition <laughs> than he lifted in training. In each lift. Oh, also he, also, he would say, uh, he said another reason. He said, well, you know, what's the big, what, what's the big reason for the increase in your competition lifts over your your training lifts, and he said one word answer: people. Mm -hmm. uh, so people looking at him. People looking at him. He's an introvert, right? He's an artistic introvert like yeah. me. Like me. So you get into a situation like that where you walk out on stage and there's an auditorium of people looking at you. Whoo! You know that is a psychological. I mean, you're on cloud nine if you know how to handle it. Right. Right. You're you're nitrous oxide psychologically. What were you guys using for straps back in the day? Like the 60s? Yeah, that's whatever. a good was question. It, was, I, I don't remember. Who did we like, get our uh, straps from? I might have I can't remember where we got them from. Who was who was putting out equipment back then? It would have been pretty shoddy. I mean, that was even before powerlifting USA wasn't even a magazine. They sent it out as a it was like a mimeograph photocopy thing. Oh, it was very strange times. York York probably had some stress. York probably, probably yeah. Some, like, come to stress. think of it, come to think of it, but the York Empire was definitely in the decline in the seventies. That was pretty yeah. sad. Yeah. Uh, so the, the when I first started, well, I, I was using straps from way back. You know, did the uh, uh, shrugs and stuff like that, and. You guys know this because you guys are heavy duty lifters. I mean, the, the regular cotton straps and especially leather because they're they're thinner. They start taking all the skin off your wrist. And I was like, OK, what do I do to prevent this? So I found um, okay. years ago, this was like right when I started my business. So I found these ones from Chic. They're called the 1000 PLS powerlifting strap. And what they have is they've got a neoprene 
wrist support that goes around with Velcro and they've got the strap that's built in. Mm-hmm. And I used those and it was so okay. much better for doing uh, heavy, heavy shrugs because it wouldn't just eat all the skin off your wrist. You know, it was so much more comfortable and I could lift more weight. Did it come um, in pink? Did it come in pink? <laughs> uh, not back then. They probably do now. Sure, Remember when you sent me those straps? Yeah, they were sent- chic, but they were the basic ones. And you sent me a pair and I, I couldn't comprehend them. Uh, I swear that they were so. Oh, I, maybe they were though. And, yeah. and, and I sent and I sent a note to JP, and he goes, "He was great." He goes, "Oh yeah." He said, "He said I should have thought of that ahead of time. Those were too glamorous for you." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you just needed the uh, the straight cotton ones. Or yeah, but uh, yeah, give me something I can actually figure out. <laughs> So this when I sent you the regular ones, I even pre-looped them for you. So you, <laughs> yes. you, you wouldn't run into any uh, problems over there. Yeah, it didn't work too well. So anyway, what else gear? What other stuff do we like? Can I talk about shoes? But but wait a minute on straps oh, real quick. Why? Oh, I love straps. I love straps. So why do you use straps? Why do you oh, use straps? Oh, I love straps. straps. I love straps because, because I don't, everyone says, oh, it's for your grip. You know, you should be able to build your grip, build your grip. I've never had a problem with my grip. I've never lost it deadlift in competition yeah. uh I, I in the row I'm, I'm fine i just haven't had a problem with my grip and when i put straps on i can turn a triple into a five a five into an eight an eight into a ten i get extra reps straps allow me to overload they allowed me to give kind of like what uh my own four straps if i can turn a triple set of deads into a five because i got straps on well, that's good for my back development yeah. and my strength. And I would have missed those reps because I said, well, I need to work on my grip. Well, not really. And that's the way yeah. I've looked at it. Now, Kowalski, he was like, I don't know, I shouldn't say this, but I mean, he fumbled with those things. You would have thought I was trying to get him to crack a safe. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. He just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't get it. You know, like a kid throwing a tantrum. I could see him throw him across the gym. Oh, yeah, exactly, Jimmy, exactly. And if he'd have figured it out, he could have pulled 900 because he could have overloaded. He had small hands. So the whole deal was, well, yeah, he's got small hands. You got to pull fast. So if he'd have mastered straps, and I think if I'd have shifted him to sumo, I think he could have pulled nine. Yeah. yeah. So I, but, I use straps on the on the back exercises for sure because well, yeah. that happens to me is my forearms pump up so much that I lose, you know, you do a set oh. of eight to twelve and now I lose my grip because there's so much blood in my got And you gotta cur- and you gotta curtail the set. Right. You're so removing the, the yeah, you're removing the weakest link. Yeah, right, you're removing JP, the that's just what I was going to say. So, what's the first thing to go? Yes. It's going to be your, your your back can't get the stimulation if your grip is right. gone. You know, yeah. um, so that's the first weakest link in that exercise. And and, uh, and and our back work, we put a lot of emphasis on the negative. Yeah. And if you're emphasizing the negative, man, the length of the set just extended. Yeah. So you got to get rid of the grip thing. Just get rid of that, man. Your grip's okay. Honest mm-hmm. to God, you know, um, if you need straps to open a glass drawer, then go get straps, you know? 
And look, we're not using them on we're not using them on every set. We're not yeah. saying that. It's just when you no, need them. on your top sets, on your big stuff. Yeah. And, and 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 for pull-ups and pull-downs and yeah. and and rows and undergrip rows and, and anything that you have to pull or tug. Now I can hear if Eddie Combs is listening to this right now, he's probably pulling his hair out. He's probably going, oh, that, you know, and and I get that. I understand his viewpoint but i'm just saying in my case it it enabled me to overload muscles in a way that i would have been able to yeah. so i'm a total strap i use straps in every every back workout i never take them off i just leave them on yes i did mm -hmm. it this morning yep. yep love them what's next um <clears throat> what about um Okay, something that kind of goes along with uh, straps. How about wrist wraps? When are you guys using wrist wraps? Uh, overhead press, bench yep. press, yep. incline press, yep. uh, dumbbell bench, dumbbell incline, yep. all the press and stuff. Now, I've oh. never used wrist straps, but oh, I could see I could see the advantage of it. I could see sure. you know the support that it gives you, like on all the lifts that you just said. Yeah. So I don't see anything wrong with that wrist straps. I love them. I need them. <clears throat> I get a. I have a little. Uh, I use so much my hands, so much writing that I get a little carpal tunnel. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I find that yeah, your flexors get fired up. And I just want to just uh, you know, and a good tight. And I've always wrapped my wrist. Yeah. Uh, I learned that from Olympic lifting. Right, because when you land with a clean on your shoulders or or it bends your wrist back radically and it's just like, just wrap them up. So it's always been comfortable for me. Yeah. I use um, <clears throat> a wrist, I use knee wraps cut in half. Yeah. Old, old school that. knee wrap cut, cut, I don't know, not in half. I don't need a whole half, but right. you know what I mean? Tuck it in and pull it through. Yeah, put it and pull it through. You know, four maybe four five wraps around. It takes me bang, 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 bang you know, bang, 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 bang. I'm done. I'm in. And but I like uh, in, you know now this shifts over a little bit in the cold weather, like it is now. The the bar is so cold that if I'm, I use my bare hands, it will stick to it. So I wear the gloves, and the gloves I like best have that, and it's from UJP. It has the built-in wrist wrap. Right. With the Velcro. So you put the glove on and then you can torque down this wrist wrap thing that they had. And man, you can you can torque that thing as as hard as you can take it. Uh, and I really like that glove with the built in wrist wrap with the Velcro. I cannot remember the maker. But well, uh, Chic Chic makes those, too. Yeah, they got their they had their fingerless at the end. And right. you know, at, the, at the last digit, you have your fingers exposed, but that's fine. Uh, but man, I tell you, they're a godsend in the super cold weather. Because uh, I go out and train. I go out and train in February. And uh, the, the one thing you don't want is you don't want to end up like the kid in uh, Christmas, Christmas story. I ended up with his <laughs> tongue stuck to the, which happened to me as a kid. I did that. I believe it. For real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My brother hit me in a tackle and ripped the skin off my tongue. Flynn. Oh. I think the kid's name was Flynn. Who got his yeah. Tongue. My name was Marty and my brother's name is Kevin. And he <laughs> thought that was the most fabulous thing. Funniest thing ever, huh? 
And he, that was one of the high points of his life. So I was, uh, uh, love, wrist, I, love wraps, wrist wraps, straps, gloves. I was thinking about you this morning because I knew we were going to talk about gloves. I was out. So I'm still working out in my backyard and I'm going, okay, when am I going to go back to the gym? Cause now it's like 30 degrees out. And um, so I've got open? a bunch of, what's that? The gym open? It's open, but I haven't gone back yet. I don't know when no, I'm going to go man. back. So yeah, I got to get back in, back in there. But uh, so I'm still at home. So I'm, I'm grabbing these dumbbells and kettlebells and everything. And they're like ice cold and my hands are freezing. And I'm like, uh, but you know what? I've never got into gloves because to me, there was, it, it felt like there was too much of a barrier. I like to feel that there is, connection. There is, there is and, a barrier. Yes, I, I get that. But um, even to stay, now staying warm, that, that might be a different thing. I'd have to try it. But uh, I never liked the feeling of gloves, the, the, the barrier feeling between my hands. and I agree uh, with metal. that. I agree with that, but if it's a choice between that or not training. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Right. Um, so the gloves, yeah. And if you use the, now if you use the half fingered ones, um, that kind of brings that, well, I, I, you know, I, I that's would, kind I, of like a happy medium, don't I, you think? I, I would still wear straps if I'm doing pulling movement. I'm not going to wear gloves and do a pulling movement with no kind of strap. I mean, I, you'd have no damn grip yeah. at all. You'd have a 50% grip if you're trying to do power cleans or something with a, with a, a glove. Yeah. You got no grip, man. So I'd, no, strap, the, I'd strap up over top of a glove. I don't matter. That's okay. You can do that. Right. I've done that. I'm not going to set up. I'm not going to set up personal record in anything well i think if you're deadlifting with gloves you know the gloves without the straps the the gloves are the leather is just going to start sliding down your hand don't you think you whereas have no, you have no grip right there's no point whereas if you have it tied in with a a, a strap you kind of eliminate that so over, yeah, over I, the I, over the glove that's right yeah, yeah it works it works it's cumbersome but it works um you fall asleep, Jim. No, I'm just listening to the glove. glove let's, you're not let's multitasking. Go back to, uh, are you multitasking again? No, I'm just. <laughs> are you writing your. He's writing his article for next no, week no, while he's no, talking no, up. That's right. No, I was thinking that the gloves. You're allowed to wear like iron worker gloves or something. Somebody should come up with a more manly looking glove. That was what I was thinking. Pink is not manly. Knee sleeves. No, let's talk about knee wraps real quick because Marty kind of went into it. Now, I, during my heaviest lifting days, which I'm no longer in, uh, I had to wear knee wraps for the leg press and for the squat. You're talking about because my wraps. knees, yeah, my knees would just hurt once I get over a, a certain weight. But if I wrapped them and wrapped them tight, and like you said, uh, you know, tuck them in, pull them out the other side wrap them in tight to where your your blood's pretty much cut off and um that was the only way that i could really because otherwise i felt like my tendons and my knees were going to just explode because because be, because they were because so okay. it was it was and, mental and, 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 and it was and physical now and nowadays you would take it up to that point and go that's crazy to put on a pair of knee wraps over top to mask pain and so I can handle hundreds of pounds more than I'm really capable of. 
You're exactly right. I don't use any of that stuff now. Right. Because the pain, that's your, that's your limiter. And what I found though, when I quit using the knee wraps, uh, especially on the leg press, which I haven't done, you know, since like March, um, my uh, under heavier and heavier load, my knees felt better because I was now building up the tendons more and, and all that. The wraps weren't masking. Right. It's like the guys who wear belts their entire career, they have a zone of weakness that that belt covers. And when they take that belt off, yeah, they have they a zone of weakness. And all that too. Right. Right. Um, you know, the evolution of the knee wrap slash knee sleeve has been pretty amazing over the years. You know, I wear, like, I don't, I don't put the super wraps on unless I was going to max in something because, uh, Inzer comes, I don't know if they still make them or not, but it was a very, it was the same material as the wrist, as the knee wraps and wrist wraps, but it came in a sleeve and then it has three Velcro straps on it also. You can get those things, especially when they're brand new, you know, medium tight compared to a wrap, not, not a competition, but you know, then you have the neoprene ones, which I like for elbows and knees. Um, and then they have the, the even tighter, you know, you have the neoprene ones that, that basically are just to keep you warm, but now, and they're legal in the USAPL, I believe there are these SBD wraps that are, I'm telling you, man, they give you a lot. They give you a course, course. it's technological breakthroughs that, that artificially boost strength, but because there's money involved, right. They are saying, well, you know what? we're going to allow this piece of gear. Right. Right. And they're supposed to be raw. That means we're not using any supportive gear to get artificial strength. And yet they're seduced back into it again. It's all about money. Uh, I was told they're pulling those things on with pliers. They're so tight that when they're competing, that they get them on over their cast and then they have to pull them into position with pairs of pliers. And I'm thinking to myself, this is just a sophisticated version of getting your knees wrapped with uh, knee wraps. Right. They are super. I'd never be able to get them off. I'd have to cut them off. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe they do. Maybe they do until the next attempt, you know, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Jim, what is that stuff? Describe those. I don't think I've seen those. wraps. Well, it's the same neoprene on it, but it's some kind of, way they've made it so much tighter than the old yeah. one because, know, it's, I, because it's 2020 yeah that's right and and so the problem is it, it's just like uh women's bodybuilding you know where they they start off at a certain level and then it never ends the, the muscularity well and now it's become almost like the men you know so now if you look at the pr- protective gear they start off with nothing now you're totally raw and then you, oh well you can have the belt uh you can wear these sleeves and then pretty soon well you can wear the wraps and then and now we're just all doing the same thing you know what i mean and and the next and the next guy who invents a set of of those knee wraps that boost everybody's squat by 50 pounds he's going to get all the business right and that's what and it's it's a and it's it becomes a nuclear arms race of gear right now what about not to lift more weight but just for longevity Cassidy, um, Cassidy, back when he competed, he wore the Hoffman belly band and the Hoffman knee wraps were nothing more than right. cheap ass neoprene the circle form. stuff right. that 
that kept his torso warm and kept his knees warm. See, I'm all for that. And, you know, we always talk about as you've been training for 20, 30, you know, all these years, that stuff is, it enables you to train, to keep training. You know, I'm not big on warm-ups, but when I rub the Tiger Bomb on and put my elbow sleeves on, I'm pretty warm, man. It's, you know, give it a couple minutes and I'm going. (laughs) Yep. Like warm-ups and good, and then maybe maybe jump, maybe jump on the bike a little bit to raise your core body temperature, yeah, and then get a little sweat going, and you're ready. Yeah, yeah. and then then let's let's hit it. Yeah, and you're and you're peaked out, and you're ready, and it's like bang, let's go. But you don't. I don't walk in my garage anymore and start squatting. It's too much. It's uh, you know, I'm, I have to leg curl and calf raise first, or do something inside with the bike first, or you know what I mean, yeah. or use the cross core first. I can't. You gotta warm go it up. Something. Yeah, it's just it, well, you know, it used to be I that I would warm up my squats by squatting. Right. Do the bar or whatever. Yeah, but now I gotta now I even need a preamble to that. But that's okay because it's it's, it's sensible and I'm not squatting any world records it's anyway. Right. And that's the key, the training. But uh, you know, I like that stuff, you know, just just to wear as a as protective and to keep it warm. Any pressing movement I do, I wear the oh. neoprene sleeves, any pressing. Uh, JP, back to your thing. What are you going to do? Are you going to gut it out outside like a lumberjack? Are you going to go inside and keep wearing your Bermuda shorts? Uh, I'm going to have to get back to the gym sooner or later. Here because, oh, that's a third you know, option. That's the third option. What are you? Can you train inside? Oh, you guys don't have basements down there, do you? No, we don't have basements. Oh, you don't and, have basements. Um, I keep forgetting that. I mean, I got a bunch of stuff in my backyard and I'm thinking, well, maybe I'm going to take over part of the garage or um, I'd just love to get back to the gym. But it's like everybody's just kind of like, you know, still with this whole COVID thing. You know, well, go, go and check it. Go and check it out. And if it's not weird, you can do it. You find a time when nobody's there. Which uh, I go early enough, and yeah. you know, there's there's not many people there at all. So only, but I'm just only, thinking because only the freaky people are there when you train. That's yeah, the uh, the long term, the big picture people. Yeah, um, <laughs> but you know, it's going to get too cold out here. It's going to get rainy, and I use that cross core out there, and it's the anchor point is out. It's not covered over top, so it's like I can't get out there and use that when it's raining or or icy or whatever. So yeah, I'm gonna have to make a decision here pretty soon, but I can't wait to get back in the gym and start barbell squatting again, start barbell benching again. Uh, I've started to deadlift again. So I wanna get back to all these basic lifts. And because, you know, it's been funny since March, since I've been in the backyard, my, my training has evolved and I'm much more comfortable with my training. I think I'm getting better results. So it's actually been a real good, um, a real good exercise for me, because when I go back into the gym, it's going to be different, and uh, I think I'll end up getting even better results, having a better time in there, and um, you know. But it's just a matter of, I don't know when I'm going back. It's probably going to have to be this month or next. So we'll see. Well, why? Okay. Why don't you just go? <laughs> like, why don't you just go to the gym? You're so rash, Jim. I'm just saying, let's go, man. Well, I, I, you're so so spontaneous. I am. I'm getting back in there. I've just been kind of waiting to see what this whole thing's going to do and all that. I know a lot of things. What thing? The COVID? (laughs) I am grabbing the steering wheel. We are going back onto clothes and clothing. Can we talk about shoes? Jim's getting political. 
<laughs> yeah, let's talk about shoes because I'm all yeah. about I love talking about it. I have squatted with both the heel and I've squatted flat-footed in wrestling shoes. Yeah. I think I like the heel. Okay. I had a good, I, had, I was so lucky when I started out training I was very young, I had an Iranian training partner named Artashan Bagapur. And he worked for Bechtel <clears throat> and he was a good Olympic lifter. And they got me as a present, a pair of Iranian Olympic weightlifting shoes. Oh yeah. Black with, and they had the, the, the straps that you tighten yep. up. Adidas uh, man, everybody, everybody who knew anything about lifting, I'd be walking around, I'd be like, everybody like, oh, you get those shoes, man. Like, I'm wired. <laughs> but, I, and I had, that's how I started squatting and I was a good squatter. I think my short femurs make a higher heel, makes it easier for me to get to below parallel. No question, no question. If I have a heel. Uh, after seeing Doug Furness, and, and he was so incredible, and he was always flat-footed, I actually put the heel away and said, you know what, I'm going to try to become a flat-footed squatter. It, I did good, but I never did great. Um, you, you know, I, and I, 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 I think that if I, did, I should have stayed with the heel. Yeah, I mean, I think that I've, I've squatted in meets with, with the heel. What, what I... The reason why I switched back to a flatter shoe was just because if I felt like it threw me too far forward, mm -hmm. but people love them. I had a kid this morning who squats over 500 for reps and he wears the uh, Reebok uh, Olympic lifting shoes. Now the best ones were those Adidas with the wooden heel, yep. you know, probably very yep. comparable to the ones you had. No, like, no, yeah. no, no. I, I disagree. The best ever is Chuck's. Well, uh, no it depends way. on what you want. No so, Absolutely not. Here, that's ridiculous. Go ahead. Keep talking. Definitely and it's definitely individual with the with the lifting shoes. Some people the, those wooden heeled Adidas. Yeah, those were uh, they were like so solid, so solid in those shoes. And I think that the the worst thing and you know I train kids now and the worst thing to run in those freaking track shoes. I'm like take your shoes off. Either maybe oh, now wait a minute. Now, when you mean track shoes, what do you mean? You mean those squishy uh, heel, marshmallow, marshmallow heel? Yeah, oh my you god, do it. there's no connection, and you can see them when they're squatting. That that heel is moving. Whoa, moving whoa, moving whoa, whoa, everything. Yeah, because every every rep's different because depending upon where they're depressing and they're fighting to keep their balance. And then I give them a choice: you, you can try the Olympic shoes, or we can go with more of a flat. You know, high top. I like a high top, but you know, you can do it with the low top. But I guaranteed, I guaranteed Jim had a pair of Atomics. Atom now, what is it? What are they? Now, what are they? What are they? What is it? A bodybuilding shoes? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. And they're they're like two feet high. To wear it, all the guys with the baggy pants. Oh yeah, o, o, o T O T T. Yeah, Otomics. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Tom, Tom Milanovic used to wear their... The, exactly. He, exactly. Tommy would be tricked out like that when we go to the Arnold. We'd go to the Arnold Classic or the Olympia, and he'd have his, his the shoes that went up almost to the knees, right? <laughs> like yeah, they're real high, and they've got... Well, like, they were the, white. They were white. You could get them. Remember, right. they were white. Yeah. And the bottom of them, it's like there's almost nothing there, right, Jim? I don't know. I they're never very... Had and then you wear, <laughs> and then you wear the baggy USA pants. Jim. There you go. Yeah, the hammer pants. 
<laughs> Remember that the eighties and nineties? Yeah, yeah, USA flag oh, pants. They'd be uh, all day glow colors and uh, no, no, no. The USA flag pants. They were the worst. Poor Brad Gillingham. They made him wear those things so often. I know. That, that uh, may be please. a comfort thing for Brad, though, because he may not please. be able to find jeans. <laughs> you know? But, uh, yes. Yeah. Well, well one thankfully. The, the, th the takeaway for me when you guys were talking about shoes, because I've heard you guys talk about this before, was um, you want to have something where you, when you're squatting, you can grip the ground with your feet. You want to be able to feel the ground. So, and, and get low. Yeah. And get low. So, if you got a kid, if you got an athlete with an ankle flexibility problem, definitely go with the Olympic lifting shoes. There's a lot of them that that just can't get the depth without their heels coming up. Solve them. Yeah, come on up. How, how do you guys feel about like? And I've never done this, but uh, barefoot squatting and things like that, or those shoes that were, you know, they yeah. had the individual toes and yeah. Yeah, we got guys. We got guys at the gym that are squatting and de and deadlifting wearing the toe shoes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As long as they're getting deep, I'm fine with it. And Marty, that's the evolution. Remember the baby slippers and the ballet yeah. the guys you saw. Oh, the ballet. Oh, I hated those. Yeah, and so you know the worst, the worst, the worst was the giant, the monstrous, the incredible, the alpha male of alpha males. Who was it? Kaz wore coming out for his world records wearing a little. Ballet slippers. Oh, it was disgraceful. Well, it was horrible. Yeah. Well, what about ankle support? I mean, does that matter? Yeah, I just like it? the feeling of being locked in with the high yeah. top. Uh, I don't I, think I'm yeah. turn my ankles over. I never. We never had any. We never had anybody that I trained with that was like had ankle problems. Right. But it's just it's just the security. I like them tied extra tight and all that. Oh, yeah, was, a, a lot a lot of the old school guys used to wear their combat boots man they'd wear them boots, yeah they'd wear that. them vietnam they'd wear them vietnam a lot of them had the, the their vietnam uh, uh webbed <laughs> combat boots with the field they wear them they'd lace them things up tight yeah right and then set a knee wraps and watch out Oh, yeah. you know. So with the combat boots, you're getting all that ankle support, which I yeah. don't know. You kind of cut down on your mobility too of your ankle. I didn't care. They didn't um, care about mobility. And jungle, Marty. They just got out of the jungle. They weren't. They <laughs> don't care about mobility. And you're elevated. We're to, the heel we're, is here elevated. To, we're here to squat. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Hey, just real quick, and people will be interested in this. The the during the training cycle, Marty. When do you recommend starting to add this stuff? I understand straps can be added at any time. When you're, let's say, a squat. So now you, and we're going to touch on belts too, but when do, when did typically you guys start putting the wraps on? Because I know you would try to say, I remember Kirk saying, well, I got to hit 640 for eight with nothing on but shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, but, he was, but, 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 but he'd be doing that 16 weeks out. Okay. Then he'd be working up to 800 for five over what the next four weeks. So now we're 12 weeks out when he starts going. Yeah, and that was just with the belt. Now we're going to knee wraps and a suit, but for five reps okay. for four weeks. Then we're going to knee wraps and a belt. Bobby's really cranking the knee wraps. This is real. And it's like what triples and doubles okay. for the final four weeks. <clears throat> and maybe a tighter suit, but his suit was always, 
It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It, I, I, did he get anything out of it? I don't know, man, because he never he never suffered getting into his suit. Every well, Eddie never did either. Cone never suffered either. He's another one. I don't, and Furness too. None of those guys really, it just didn't seem like their suits really mattered to them. All the other lifters I trained with, getting them into their suits, it was like trying to stuff 20 pounds of sausage in a five pound bag, you know? And it's just like, oh my God. I used to hook the straps to the power rack and hang. Yes. Yes, I and did I, too. And I'd inch down in there, cinch mm -hmm. down in there, buddy. Mm -hmm. And then you feel mm -hmm. it just mm -hmm. uh, right against the groin, good to go. Yep. Yep, and and then uh, shift to the to the left. Yeah, uh, pop out, have it perfectly right up next to your neck. The strap right up next to your neck, ready you to go. You talk about bleeding, JP. You talk about digging into your skin. You know, right in your thighs. Oh yeah, man. Oh, you can't you, you can't squat down with mm, I don't know less than four hundred and five pounds on your back. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, if you have your knee wraps on, you got a squat suit on, you got a heavyweight belt on. Uh, maybe 500 pounds, I mean, really to push your ass down. So, I mean, that's the kind of tension that's generated wearing the gear. Right. Yeah, you said the same with the, the bench shirt as well. I mean, it takes, that's what, three or 400 yeah. pounds just to bring it down to your chest. Uh, a big cause of disqualification used to be that they, you know, now they have 800 pounds loaded on a barbell, but they cannot exert enough force to pull that 800 down to their chest. They're pulling on 800 with all their might and they can't get it to touch their chest. <laughs> now, what kind of restrictive device are you wearing that you're pulling with all your might on 800 pounds and you can't get it to touch your chest? Yeah. And again, that's, and they called it tuning the shirt. You had to have the shirt the tension tune. Oh, your shirt's too heavy. You lighten it up. Okay, now I got now I get eight hundred to touch, and boom. Then you you work with that coiled energy. But again, the, these uh, guys were these guys were getting. Well, if you look at the raw, the all time best raw records compared to the uh, the geared records, I believe the geared. I think they're up to eleven hundred pounds or close right, to right. it in the bench, and the raw is still hovering around. I think seven fifty. So there's so, so do, today we do here. Yeah. So today with gear, they're benching the same as they're deadlifting, right? Oh, more than more thousand thirty-eight. <laughs> Come on, man. No, they Come yeah, on that's right. now. Exactly, exactly. They're dead. They're and they have been for a decade. They've been benching more than they're deadlifting. So now, at what some, point does some, the bench? Well, excuse me. I think. Well, it depends. <laughs> now, I, I believe what right now they're they're allowing in the deadlift. The, the guys are using straps. They're allowing them to hitch. They're using bendy bars. They're using really long bars, which, you, you know, so they're, uh, and they're calling it professional deadlifting and it's totally different. So, you know, these guys are pulling 1100, 1200 pounds, but it's bogus because it, it's, it could not pass no, competition scrutiny. Right. Yeah, don't it's call not. Don't yeah. Call and they don't. They call it, I don't know, something professional, strongman or something, you know, something yeah. different. But please don't claim it as an all-time record. No, no, no. That's what we're saying. Don't claim it as an all-time record. Because if you want an all-time record, just go out on the lifting platform with standard barbell, no straps, and just pull it legally without hitching it, and great. And then you, you do that with 1,100, and we will all bow down. 
when you first started, Marty, what were the belts like? Were they all Olympic lifting belts? Were they thicker in the yeah, back? They were ridiculous. They were ridiculous. They get like at Montgomery Wards and Sears and, you know, and they were just these flimsy things and it didn't do anything. And the first power and belt, power belt that yeah. came in, powerlifting established itself in the 60s, really didn't get rolling until the 70s when the gear started getting legislated in. And then you had some guys like Dean Best. Oh, they, um, I know what it was. They, they put specifications on the belt. Okay. And so they said, okay, the, the official regulations for a power belt, uh, you can't be, I, I don't even know how wide, is it four inches? Can't be wider than four inches, can't be thicker than, you know, three quarters of an inch, can't get, you know what I mean? They had specific rules. So now manufacturers started building to those rules. So that's was when you started seeing that the now classic wide all the way around power belt. In the past, the fronts of the belt had been narrow. The back of the belt had been wide and the front of the belt had been narrow. Like you put it on like you were wearing a suit belt. Because that was an Olympic lifting belt because you had yeah. the back yeah. of the yeah. range of motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was, and, and they were flimsy, and they were not. It was not. And the power belt came on, and that thing was like, a, I don't know, it was like wrapping a set of bricks around yourself. I've had mine for thirty years, the same one. You know, same power belt, man. Those things like forever. I don't even know, Marty. Are they still in, in business? Safe USA? I don't know. I have no clue. That's, those were the best belts, man. I love them. Best belts were, were the custom belts by the, I think the guy's name was Dean Best. He was out of North Carolina. He made Chalet's belt, made a bunch of belts. Okay. And he was, he was a leather, he was a leather guy. Mm -hmm. And he made custom belts from scratch. And these things were like, um, I don't know, it was like a custom glove. Well, what kind of belts do you guys, there's lever, there's the double prong. Yeah, the lever, the, the lever I, is the one I prefer because there's no, uh, excuse me, blanking around. Oh, the worst was the double prong. Yeah. That's a, that's so a, now you got two prongs you're trying to, you know, it's bad enough. You're, you're trying to pull in a guy who's wearing a belt three sizes too small, right? And you're, help, pull it, pull it, you know, and you're trying to get him in, in time for the attempt. And you're trying to get that, that belt thing into that hole and you just can't get it. You can't get it in there. And then you, now you've got two of them. Now, the lever, well, you just the lever, you just hooked it and you just pulled it and it was done. You're exactly right on the double prong. So uh, one of the reasons they make the double prong, the cheaper belt companies do that, is because if it's a one prong and you put a lot of pressure on it, the one prong will tear the leather. Uh, so they do the the two prong. But like you said, it's very hard to get into it, get out of it, especially uh, when you're winded and you're trying to get uh, out of this thing, and uh, you, you know you almost feel like you're stuck. Or you might um, pass out. You might pass out. So if you get a good American-made leather belt, that's you know, got yeah, you guys make a really good one. We make some really good ones by uh, Pioneer. Yeah. Now they've got this one called the uh, the what is it? The Pioneer, uh, the Pioneer um, uh, prong or something. I forget the name. But what it is is it's a one prong, but it's got the uh now one of the things with with adjusting a belt is 
you know, it's not all that precise in that the holes, the uh, adjustment holes are like, I don't know, half inch, inch away from each other. What this one does is it's a single prong, but the holes are staggered so that you're, you're, you're able to actually put the prong in the hole in half the incremental space that you once were able to do on a regular uh, belt where the, the holes are lined up perfectly straight. Just imagine the holes staggered. Now you have like almost, uh, you know, uh, micro adjustments sort of. Um, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, interesting. I didn't know. So that. it's just, uh, so it's, I think they patented that, but we sell a lot of those. It's the, it's the Pioneer, uh, Pioneer belt. So uh, you can check that out. But um, yeah, the lever belt, here's what I want to ask you guys about the lever belt is uh, you guys ever use them for benching? Because we sell bench belts with, with levers on them. I've never used one. You guys no, ever do that no. for benching? No. no. I mean, a lot of guys who wear shirts will use the belt to tuck, keep that shirt tucked in where they want it. Oh, I know a lot, of, a lot of guys love a belt when they bench. I'm like, okay. You get the yeah. heart with that big ass belt on. Can't get I, I don't get it, but go ahead. Whatever. Well, a lot of guys use the bench as a girdle as well, so that's they're not really meant for that. But <laughs> a belt? You mean they wear a belt as a girdle? Yeah, they keep the their hell? guts in. What the hell? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Marty, when when so for Kirk's cycle, so he he would get go as far as he can raw with eights, and then the first week of fives, would he put the belt on? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He'd be, yeah. He'd be into it because. He, oh, now you mean fives raw or fives with equipment? No. So in his twelve week cycle, so once he's finished, he he finished with eight hundred pounds for five reps with the belt. With belt, right? Was so that his then, first week with a belt? No, that was his last week with the belt. Okay, so he he did, done he, he did done four weeks. He did he did four weeks with no belt to get up okay. to whatever the six eighty. Yeah. Then he put the belt on and it took four weeks to get up to 800 for five. Got it. Got it. Now we put on the suit, loose suit. Loose suit, knee wraps. Yeah. And the knee wraps. And uh, is he having Bob wrap? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Certainly toward. And now we do fives. Okay. Which is his meat and potatoes. Right. The fives are the really the key to everything. Get what? just get really damn good at fives, and over yeah. a four week period, you want to push up to a new personal record. Yeah, right. You want to beat your previous whatever your previous best is in fives. You want to beat that wearing your gear, and then the final four weeks, you peak out with triples, and you keep adding weight, and all that knocks your triples down to doubles, and you know you end up with a thousand for two, and it's a well, let's go compete. Yeah. So gradually adding it as the reps go down. So what do yeah. you guys yeah. use belts for now? Do you guys use the belt now? I don't. I don't. Yeah, so we don't even, none of us use the belt except, you know, in competition or something very heavy. I'll put it on once in a while, like if my back's real stiff and I got a deadlift. But, uh, you know, Jimmy, I don't deserve a belt. When, yeah, but what I, that's what I was I thinking. Mean, you know, until you get to 700, you know, come on, man. You don't, and I mean, you, nah, 600, 600, 600. And when you don't use one and then you put it on. Mean something. You guys, 50 pounds right away. I get yeah. 50 pounds out of the I mean, belt. It means something. Yeah. Tom, but Eddie, Eddie Cohn was the king of raw lifting. He would get so strong with nothing. I mean, he'd even do um, deadlifts off of, 
of, I can't remember if it was a block or a hundred pound plate, but I mean, these guys, he's handling like 840 for three, you know, and doing uh, rows with 505 for reps. And I mean, just crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. And all raw, and that was his whole thing, his whole thing. I got to get as strong as possible, totally raw. Yeah. Then we're going to start putting the gear on. And, and his th Ed's thing was uh, he'd put his super suit on, but he would not put his straps Straps, on. Yeah. straps were down. So he'd have the bottoms would be tight. And he never wore groove briefs or any of that stuff underneath. He had his, his super suit on. Right. So he had the suit bottom, he had his belt, and he'd have his wraps, and he wrapped himself. Which is amazing. I know, because I mean, I know Eddie was a strong dude, but, um, and, and I just never sensed that he got a lot out of his equipment. Well, he I would mean, walk he, up, JP, I don't know if you've ever seen this, obviously Marty has, but he'd walk up to the squat rack, and this is how I do it, but, you know, I got it from him, and he'd put the lip of his belt on the squat rack, turn yeah. away from it, put the yeah. hole in it. Yep. Nobody was struggling. Nobody was squeezing the sides yeah. of the belt so he could yeah. fit in and rolling the rolling yeah. the roller. And no, yeah. he just walk up to the squat rack, yeah. turn away from it, put the hole, put it in the hole, start squatting. Hey, that that belt. I was. Uh, I just want to go back to this for a second. The belt I was talking about is called the Pioneer Cut. You can cut. see that on our website. But what it is, C U T. Yeah. And it's got, uh, it includes two rolls, two rows of offset holes and one prong, which allows uh, for size adjustments in half inch increments Good, instead cool. of one inch. So it's pretty cool. But I, I only used um, a belt on my top end sets, obviously. I mean, I think it's good to do it for that because you're creating that, that abdominal pressure which goes all the way around the belt. It supports your back. It's uh, it's it's just a little bit of security there for you. Yeah. Um, but so we, yeah, I, th I think when I did that, when I coached the, uh, you know, like a team, maybe a hundred guys or whatever, I wouldn't even bring up the belt. And then yeah. we'd get to eighty-five percent or max ninety. And if a kid said, <laughs> "Hey, coach, can I put a belt on?" I said, "Yeah, sure." But I yeah. wouldn't say, "Okay, now we're at 80. Put a belt on. Now we have to do right. it." If they never even asked about it, I never brought it up. And all of a sudden, their abdominals and low back, when they did put it on, could create so much more pressure by pushing against that belt. Once you teach somebody how to really use a belt, you can get a lot out of it. But I was just like, you know, I, I wasn't going to say no. You can't use it, but if you want to put it on, makes you feel better. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Now Marty likes the polyester and neoprene uh, Velcro belts. Oh lord. Um, they're oh, kind of contoured. They're kind of contoured for the hip bones. It looked excellent on my wife. What? Huh? What? Well, I mean, she's it looked excellent on Stacy. She puts that thing on, and good, like she, the whole thing wraps around her with her tiny waist, and she can crank that thing up because it's Velcro. Right. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that the Velcro is really going to hold on me if I'm exerting abdominal pressure with a, you know. A big weight. I, I, I don't feel the sense of confidence uh, exerting against Velcro. Yeah, I think you're right. You got to have you, when you're under that bar, you want to feel secure all the way through. And yeah. you got to get that with the prongs, the prongs and thick, heavy leather. Yeah. But again, I, I think for for, you know, someone who doesn't is not dealing with that. And it's form fitting. I'm, I'm serious when I say that. When Stacy when put it, puts it on, it fits her. She's very curvy, 
but yet because the belt is pliable, it fits her, it fits her roundness, right? So she gets support all the way through. It's not like the stiff leather power belt that has no bend to it. And that's and it is tough for women to use. Those. Oh, and God Not forbid, gaps. God yeah. forbid, if it has sharp edges on the, and with, you know, and without uh, gaps in the side because because of uh, the small waist. Uh, you know. Those things are so thick. Those power belts get so thick because they're I, I double. A, oh, and, man. and I think triple ply sometimes. Uh, you can't even hardly put it on, and it's, and bend. it's overkill, like everything else. Yeah, I don't think it needs to be that uh, that thick and that stiff. But, yeah. So what else have we not covered? Uh, what else, Jim? How about um, music? <laughs> you know, what do you yeah, wear? Yeah, music. What do you wear when you're training? Uh, when you're public? And they're playing. What do I wear when I'm training? I use the, I use the, I, I love wear my the AirPods. Head, I wear my headphones. Yes, that's what yeah, I wear when I'm the training. The AirPods, my headphones. you put it on Spotify or something. Yes. phone in your gym bag. Yes. Oh, I got my, uh, my Spotify report card this week. Did you guys get yours? I got mine. No. Last year, I spent on Spotify 53,566 minutes, which, which came to 893 hours. Wow. <laughs> so you were training for 893 hours last year. Basically. <laughs> Have it on all the time, don't you? You've. Uh, well, I mean, it's come. I think if you do the math, it comes to about two hours a day. When did you change over to volume training? <laughs> well, I think, like I said, I think if you do the math, it comes to two hours a day. Uh, let me see, three, six, nine, three hours a day. Look, a little, little less than three hours a day. But uh, I'm I'm here. I mean, my time is my own. Right. So I, I I use it when I'm writing. I listen to music when I write. I listen to music when I train. Talk about the evolution of, of the music. You had the boom box in the corner, right? Oh, Started yeah. off with that. No, the record player. The no, the record player. The record player. The record no, player. The record player, then the full-on big-ass stereo system. I'm talking yeah. about in the gym. I'm talking about in, in the, the gym. gym you yeah, had that's to have what a record I mean. Player. Way back when, we had to have portable record players in the 60s. <laughs> yes, that was horrible. And you have this, this cheap little portable record player and you'd, yeah. what, you'd have whatever your Motown record on it or whatever. Yeah. And, and then, uh, so then what? The boom well, box first, was the big break. Boom box. And then you had the cassette Walkman. Oh, yeah. The cassette. Yeah. And then they had the CD Walkman. And then now mm -hmm. it's at your fingertips, all this music at any time. You know, it's just anything you want. Anything you want. You, you ready to drink beer on the deck? Well, you got your slow country. You ready to yeah. go to the gym? You anything, era, any, you know? anything you can imagine, yeah. you can pull up. Yeah, it's, it's now. It's, had somebody told me that in 1980, I would have said, "What science fiction? That right. is straight out of science fiction." That's like, this is like in ancient Greece they had the oracles, and the oracles. You go to an oracle and say, "Ask me any question, I can answer it." And it's like, yeah. "Oh, you mean like Google?" <laughs> right. That's the Oracle. It's, it, it is the modern epitomization of the Oracle. And now we have music, like, I don't know, for whatever reason, a uh, song came in my head the other day, Are You Lonely For Me Baby by Freddie C. Scott. It was a very offbeat one hit thing. I'd say probably 1965, called it up, there it was. Yeah. 
hadn't heard it for whatever, 50 years, because it was out of print. You couldn't get it if you wanted it. If you could find it, you couldn't get it. So great. And it's all free. It's all for, well, I mean, my pay my nine, my $9 a month. Yeah. It's, it's like, I've, I feel like, I feel like I'm running through a tower record store looting it. Isn't it crazy? Anything I want, <laughs> anything I want, JP. Oh, look, uh, there's I the sec there's, uh, there's the entire Coltrane catalog. I couldn't afford that. Oh, you can have it now. Take it all. Right. You take it all. And I have, I put so much stuff on my Spotify. I will take me 200 years to listen to everything I have loaded up. <laughs> great stuff. I know it's great. And then you get into certain bands all over again. Like I've been listening yes. to Creed. I've been listening to Credence this week. They're great. Like all fired up about that yes, and jamming to that out, yeah. you know, out in the backyard at 5 30 right. AM. Right. So when I know that, so in the morning when you go to my gym, the, the girl, the lady who is the manager plays old school rock, Zeppelin, Skinner and all that. So I never bring the headphones. Now right. midday is rap. So I always bring the headphones, always right. bring the headphones midday, you know, because um, I'm, you know, I just can't do it. You know what I mean? I got to hear, I got to hear some, some instruments playing. It doesn't, it doesn't make you feel like lifting. Like you listen to some good eighties uh, music or whatever, just the yeah, rhythm, the guitar, everything this, gets you fired yeah, up. I got this group in the morning. They're all youngsters in their twenties. They come in, they're listening to rave music with, I'm like, who's taking ecstasy today? Uh, you know, they're fakers. Metal pumping, man. Those guys are fakers. They don't know, uh, JP. They haven't been educated. They don't have the. They don't know. So now I'm. They don't come from where we come from. And now they're listening to Slayer. They're listening to Slayer. They're listening to Pantera. And then they'll say, "Well, what do you think about this, Coach?" And I'm like, "You know, you just don't know. You just don't know." So I'm. Let's do this. And they've they've all changed their haircuts and they've all traded. They've all traded in their their pre. They've yeah. traded in their Priuses for muscle cars and pickup yeah. trucks. Yeah, yeah, with the big tires too. Yeah. <laughs> There's got to be with somebody. With the Nitro Nitros. Youth, man. Somebody's got a youth. bad influence. <laughs> no, they haven't been out with me yet. <laughs> How about, you know to what, the, let's go over. To the, let's... to the strip club with Kirk. Oh, we have done that Let, Let's go over a few we, other. We, he came to visit me in Charleston. Oh, here we go. We didn't even get to the house. We went to the airport from the airport right to the strip joint. Right to the strip. We had Sorry, everybody. Oh, I apologize. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> All right. But, and listen, back to gear real quick because yeah, there's a, a few other gear. little tidbits that I want to mention. Now, uh, Jim wanted to talk real quick about groove briefs what is that oh man well what are you the groove briefs are like uh, uh are we going to get into groin territory here yes groin territory. Oh, no. so some of this stuff you can use actually with your athletes when they have tweaks and things like that so instead of putting the neoprene sleeve or going to the trainer and getting taped which falls off or loosens up after their first set we would use the groove groove briefs which are just tight tight compression shorts really and that would give them some some support in their hamstrings if they're long enough or if the groin definitely so that's all i wanted to talk about the group breeze well, why, do you, why do you just put some tiger bomb on the groin well we would do that too but then they're going running out of the room i have to hose them down because <laughs> it burns get too close to the jewels that kind of thing <laughs> 
But why do they call them groove briefs? What's the, like, get in the groove, groove thing? <laughs> Gets in the groove? Gets in the groove. They're groovy? Uh, it was a diabolical invention. We really don't need to get into it. What, what about other stuff like, um, you know, I, I remember when I first started squatting and I didn't have any traps built up or any shoulders and the bar used to hurt my shoulders like hell, you know, be sitting on a bone basically. Oh, so we used come to, on. We used to use, uh, we used to wrap a towel around the bar. Oh, you know? no. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. Hey, no. this was when I was like 15, okay? Well, don't, don't, don't. If you'd have trained with us. Like giving you nightmares. If yes. you'd have, JP, if you'd have trained with us, we would have given you a dress. <laughs> oh man, those pads. You know, you know, I'm not gonna say it on the air, but we call those pads something else, man. You know, it's it's barbell pads. Oh yeah, that's that's not it, but it's <laughs> you would you would have tried your towel trick once. But you, you know, know what? Only, the only mm. guy that gets away with a towel is Tom Platts. I, I looked at him, I watched him squat, he wraps a towel around the bar, and I'm like, why? I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. Then he squats five fifty for twenty five, and I'm like, "All right." It's it's yeah. like his it's like his baby blanket. I'm sure he started with it like in his third workout. Yeah. Back in nineteen sixty nine, when he yeah. was fifteen years old, and it just works for him. It's like Dorian with the Velcro belt. Nobody's allowed to wear it. But yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you start out, and and he's a bodybuilder. It doesn't matter. Yeah. He's, he's allowed that. There's no rules for... for yeah, but what people don't understand is that you have a... Your bar will fit just where it needs to go on your back, man. And, and you know it when it's there. You know, you have to adjust yeah, over... Well, you, your body will adjust over time. You'll harden, right. you'll harden up. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the thing was, when I first started, I wasn't sure where to put that bar. I was putting it up too high. Yeah. So once I put it back, I'm like, well, you know, I don't, I don't need this towel anymore. Neck before, right? We right, were, exactly. We, we were forced to start out with it on our traps, and that was part of the reason our traps built up. Is because you had to resist it. You have to resist it. Now, if you look at me when I high bar squat, it looks like the bar is hovering in the air. But mm -hmm. actually, it's sitting on my flex traps. My traps can can hold it now. They yeah. create a shelf for it. Yeah, but after and, you've yeah. been doing it a while, and you oh, guys, yeah. you guys can uh, attest to this. I mean, you have five, six hundred pounds more on your shoulders, man. That's that is such a great feeling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it doesn't hurt. Yeah. No, you would think it would hurt, but man, it just it feels good. It's a very satisfying feeling. Well, it's you different. just didn't wake up one day and be like that. You had to kind of ramp up no. to it. No, of course not. But uh, but you know that's uh, it's just like the the pain as you're you know uh, as you're burning the muscle on your you know your eighth rep, your tenth rep, twelfth rep. You know, you get to really enjoy stuff like that. And it's like, you well, don't feel you, satisfied you, until you yeah. feel that feeling. What's really enjoyable, and Jim will concur, is successfully standing up with 845 pounds without dying. <laughs> I mean, don't you feel like you just surfed the bonsai pipeline? You know, you became yeah. part of an elite club, right, Jim? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> and, and I mean, nobody ever told me this, but I'm always telling people this, listen, this is what you're going to feel like. Your ears are going to bleed. Your head's going to explode. You know, <laughs> if you don't tell somebody what that's when you start to put some weight on, because 
and I never even thought of this stuff because I was so gung ho to get to where I wanted to be. But people feel things. I never, I was always like, oh, your body's telling you a lie. Just do it anyway, you know? Um, but, you know, they'll be like, wow, that it's crushing my spine. And then you take them a little techniques. But guess what? It all feels like crap. It all feels like crap, right? Yeah. You can't breathe. Your, your belt is so tight, you can't freaking breathe. The weight is crushing you, all that stuff. If, but if you, if you, that, if, if you, Jim, if you can, it's not heavy enough. That's right. And that, when you feel that feeling, that's growth, that's strength. That's what's happening, you know. Yeah, and I swear. That's now it's now it's now it's time now it's time to unlock your knees. Right, but Marty, don't you think that separates a lot of people? Because some people can take that and go, "This is good," and some people can take that and go, "Oh, I don't like this feeling." Well, yeah. And that's the New Jersey <clears throat> versus the Hawaii waves that we're always talking about. And that, that's why that's, not everybody does it. Yeah, yeah. There's only, I mean, you know, and some some guys are put wingsuits on and jump off mountains in the Alps. I love that. It, yeah. You know what I mean? I think it's the same kind of thing. You put, you unlock your knees. In my case, when I squatted 845, it was way past my capacity. But I willed it and I knew that if I stayed in absolute perfect technique, right. slow motion on the way down, slow motion on the way back, if I wavered a quarter of an inch uh, I would fail. Yeah. If it went a quarter of an inch forward or a quarter of an inch backwards, I'm done. Right. All and you, the rep beforehand is what got you there. And you barely make it. And it's like, oh my God, you know, I, I, <laughs> I have nothing left in my body. You know, I, and you hang onto the bar because you have to, because you can't walk. Right. Right. And that's a high point. You know, it's a high point. And you do that and you go, OK, now I know what that feels like. And I did it. Right. But uh, I never did it again for a lot of reasons. And right. I'm OK with that. Yeah. But, but you know what? You surf, you, you surf the pipeline once. Right. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> what about the uh, safety squat bar? Love it. After a lot of lot Kirk loves it. Kirk yeah. loves the hell out of it. Finally Kirk, got him to use it. Finally got him to use it. Kirk, yeah. That put Kirk back into the squat game. He couldn't lift for oh, a lot of years because he couldn't get his arm back, one of his arms back right. to, to do barbell squats. The beauty of the safety squat is that it's a lot like a front squat. The bar is over your midline already. So you mm. don't have to lean, you know, to get the bar over the middle of your foot. You know, you always have to lean a little bit to get the bar to be balanced. When I had my back surgery, I squatted exclusively with the safety bar for a while, man, a year, a year or two. Yeah. Um, and and I loved it. And, we and, it, and, it, and it brought you back. Yes, it does. It does. And and then, you know, now you want to hit some more. I always was a little paranoid that I wasn't getting my back enough. So you deadlift or you do your RDLs or whatever like that. But um, it's it's you know what? It benefits somebody whose stance is a little wider than shoulder width and, and more because it's a bitch. If you're a close stance squatter, like I remember the first time I used it, I think Rob Wagner was doing 405 for some reps and he remember close stance squatter, right? Oh man. No, no one closer. Almost heels together. Right. Marty? No, crazy. Yeah. And, and so, you know, so, so he used a lot of quad when he squat. Why? Well, I, I was a little wider. Quad. And so I were, yeah. So I remember the next day he goes, well, you got to try these safety squats. This is like 1999 or something. And man, they were a bitch. 
And I yeah. was, he was like, what'd you use? Like 400 or I was like 185, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 185, yeah. you know, <laughs> and that shored up some weak points in my squat also. We use the uh, Chris Duffin makes sort of a version of the safety squat bar. Yeah. yeah. Chris is, I think, an engineer. You were on his podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. Way back when. Uh, but so he sent, he sent us a safety squat bar and uh, Kirk used the hell out of it. Kirk found a, a position in it that allowed him to replicate what he considered barbell squats. Because I think it has like, I don't know, eight different positions. Okay. Yeah, it's got different settings on it, right? Different settings. Yeah, yeah. It's like adjustable. Yeah, it's pretty cool, click, actually. Click, yeah. click, 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 click. And, and Kirk found a particular one. It was like, oh, and man, he was able to get low as hell. And it just looked like Kirk barbell squatting, but he got to hold his hands in front. And that made all the difference. And, and he didn't use, like when we used it, we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're, we're making those handles go up and down, trying to game it, right? Trying to yeah. figure out, oh, if you push the handles up, it makes it a little bit lighter. Yeah. Kirk is just like holding it in the bottom most position, just come, going up and down like a, like a machine. Yeah. Uh, that, that really brought him back. He really got into that. He really got strong. Yeah. in his legs as a result of using that thing. And, and it pushed his deadlift up too. Yeah. <clears throat> I love it. What about uh, arm blaster? <laughs> the arm blaster. You don't have you, an arm blaster. Don't have you ever it. used it? Yeah. I, I had, had one when I first started. I thought, yeah. I thought it was very effective. It was. Well, it promoted good form on the curls. It, 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 it mobilized your elbows, right? Mm-hmm. It forced the biceps to contract if you stood up. You had to stand up. Like an arm blaster, man, at high point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, when you're a teenager and you see Arnold using that thing, and you're like, that, okay, that's the only way I can get arms like Arnold. I got to go out and buy an arm blaster. Well, right? I think it was pretty genius. I mean, really, I mean, it's just the vertical. Uh, do you do spider curls, Jim? No. I know them now, but I don't know. Spider curls are great. They're straight. Uh, Cassidy introduced me to them. They're straight down. So your arms are braced so that they're uh, you're straight to the floor. So when you come up, what's that? Ninety degrees straight to the floor. Mm -hmm. uh, so it puts all the stress at the top of the curl rep. Now, when you do preacher curl, most of the stress is at the bottom of the rep. Right. So between spider curls, stress at the top. Preacher curls, stress at the bottom. You pretty much have the braced arm bicep gain cover. Right. Right. So, uh, and the arm blaster is really the spider curl. Yeah, and the spider curl, you really got to set the weight back. You really got to dial it back oh, because. Well, yeah, yeah. That's what we, that's what we love though. We love yeah, yeah. that. And Make you keep, lightweight's heavy. You keep your shoulders back. So you get, a lot of guys will put the shoulders in front of the biceps. So you get a little shoulder jolt going to get it moving yeah. a little bit right and that's no, 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 no. delts and all no, that. yeah 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 and they can move a lot of weight and they're so strong it's like no you're not just relax, <laughs> relax your shoulders put them behind the action nothing but arms move it dude that's what yeah. if it ain't biceps it ain't moving now what do you got oh oh all of a sudden 60 pounds is heavy before they were doing 135 right right <laughs> and you're going to get the same results if not better no, you get better results. You get better results. That's like those guys, you'd walk into any Gold's Gym, you got some some dumbo with 
uh, 45 and a quarter on, on an easy curl bar doing rep curls that look like reverse cleans. Right. And all you right. Get is a nasty case of tendonitis out of it. Yeah. yeah and, and, and their arms are terrible. Right. And, and, you know, it's like, yeah, because there's no, there's no closure in the angle. It, it, it was ridiculous. Uh, and, but again, that's the opposite of, of you do uh, an Arnold arm blaster. And if you handle a hundred pounds, you're doing pretty good, buddy. JP, bring it back, man. Start selling them. Oh yeah. You know what? I mean, they're out there. There there's a lot of different companies selling them. They're, they're simple. They're cheap. You know, I don't know. What do they cost? 30 bucks. We don't sell them, but uh, you can find them all over the place. Right. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that. We could talk about this stuff all day. There's so many, so many cool little gadgets and tools, you know, some are very effective. Some are, you just don't need their, their gimmicks and all that. Do you guys have specific clothing that you wear? Uh, so let me, so more like when you're competing, did you, was it when it was squat day, Marty, did you always wear the same t-shirt and shorts or did you just didn't think about that? Uh, I don't think so much. I mean, you would have, if you're, if you're lifting, I mean, you've got your gear, that's different. You have your gear in a bag, right? And you know, you know what I mean? That's your knee wraps, your belt, if you're wearing suits or, you know, you got to wear the deadlift singlet or the squat, you know what I mean? Then then you're like in dress rehearsal mode. You know, Dorian used to wear the same clothes and the same mu and listen to the same music for different body parts. Oh no, I don't, I, I couldn't be that regimented. And he would eat the, but you know, he would also eat the same food at the yeah. same time yeah. every day living in England, he said, he told me, he said, my next door neighbor had no idea who I am. And he said, and I loved it like that. <laughs> the shadow. The shadow, yeah. You don't look like much of a shadow. His next door neighbor didn't know he's living next to the shadow. So he didn't look like much of a shadow when I saw him. <laughs> he looked like he was flipping he, the sun. What he, looked, he looked like the diesel. You saw, did you see him backstage or anything? You saw him? Yeah. In his best shape. Yeah, I inter I interviewed him the morning. I sat in the front row to watch him win the Olympia as yeah. the as the guy who was the head writer for Muscle and Fitness. I did the main coverage on the Olympia, and then the next morning they have a photo shoot. Dorian doesn't get to celebrate after he wins the Olympia because the next morning he has two photographers shooting two different body parts, and I'm there to interview him. Yeah. Over the three hours that it takes. And he's like eating a bagel, a dry bagel. And he's so lean, it's like the muscles in his face. He looks like Skeletor. So they say that pictures don't do him justice. Up close, that graininess and that muscularity, was that just amazing? Did uh, you ever he, I like his relaxed look even better. I mean, he was, just, he was my height. He and I are the same height. Yeah. And, but I mean, he was just, his back was so full i mean his lats like hung like slabs of beef yeah relaxed and then he flexed those things and it looked like it would go on forever <laughs> right it would take forever for it to get to full completion right so they asked me they said what do you want to write a, a body part article on i said oh back yes it would obviously 
That's what we did. And Dor Dorian liked me because, you know, I, I was wearing my USA jacket. And, you know, I was at the time, I was a big deal in powerlifting. So I said, they finally sent an athlete. I didn't know they had any. Uh, <laughs> I, I told you guys before, I almost got to hang with Dorian for a day. So Lou Zwick sends me down to a, a Weeder photo shoot one time. I get down there to the office. Of course, we didn't have cell phones back then. So the, the office phone rings and it's Lou on the phone. He says, no, cancel that. We're, we're going to leave Dorian here, there. He's doing a uh, photo shoot. I want you to pick up Akeem Albrecht. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I picked up, which was a great guy. We had a, you know, he flew in from, I think, Germany or whatever. He was a great you guy. Should, you should have um, said, you should have said no. Should have been like, Talk, it's he, gay. It's yay. No, so I, I almost down. got to hang with, with Dorian for a day. But I remember being backstage at these get, bodybuilding shows. Get uh, somebody else. And all that, and I—I'll never forget just standing next to these guys, these these pro bodybuilders, and you just go, "Oh my God, how can somebody just get so massive, so yeah. big, so shapely?" I was just always blown away because when you get right next to these guys, that's when you really realize that the size that they have and the shape that they have, and of course you see it in in the magazines and all that. But when you get next to it and you can kind of size it up next to your your own your own body and and uh it's just i was just always blown away by that because some of these guys are just i remember we did a photo shoot with um with um what's his name uh belknap um tim? tim belknap tim tim i think he pronounces it belknap if if uh, i'm not uh mistaken but yeah we went to we did a shoot with him down at um, golds in venice yeah and uh, that dude was super thick. Yep. And some of these guys are just, you go, how can, how the hell can a human being get that thick? Your, yeah. uh, your stock just went up about 70% in Steele's eyes. Oh, man. Yeah, he was the guy. I love him, man. Just that role. Yeah. He was, your he was your mentor's mentor. He was like, I don't care about my waist. I just want to get you. <laughs> yeah, no, he was incredible. No, I got to, I got to meet a lot of... Uh, professional bodybuilders at that that job it was pretty cool I well, you know when i went down and, and was with lavroni when he was making his comebacks both times uh i was i looked at his shoulders i'm like what are those things man you know you're just like you think you, yeah. you think you're big and then you're like what what is what is that like how do you get yeah. shoulders like that you know what i mean and i'm like well what'd you, have, what'd you have for lunch and he's like i had burger king and some cheesecake i'm like all right you know it's like that's the diet and he's just huge and you know he's repping you know one reason i respected his training was he was doing 405 for reps perfect on the bench oh, yeah he was doing 450 yeah. and he was 53 years old when he was doing this stuff and when do you think he was weighing 235 240 yeah and yeah. and he's not he's not short he's he, he's not like it's not like Lee, he's not like Lee Priest. You look yeah, at Lee Priest and go, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a he's an average sized guy, so he's not going to really scare anybody at two thirty five. No, not compared to uh, you know you know who you know who scared people when he came over from Florida, and that and I know Marty always says as well he's back and all that. Paul Delette. <laughs> so so Lou sent me down to LAX to pick him up and bring him to a shoot and all that. And we went to uh I had to take him to a, a show too. I think I I think it was the, the USA bodybuilding show, but uh I just remember everybody freaking out over him. Um 
just, and I was sitting with him at lunch. We we're sitting in the booth and he had the widest shoulders that I've ever seen. They took up the whole booth. And then I was looking at his forearms. He had stretch marks on his forearms. And I'm like, that's the first time I've ever seen that before. Right. Um, uh, yeah. But Miss Barry DeMay and all these dudes were just freaking out over, over him backstage when they saw him. Cause this was, I picked uh, him up. He was six, two, he was two ninety two. <laughs> Uh, 23, 24 inch arms. He was just massive. Well, absolutely I've it, massive. I've said it before. I'll say it again. From the front, I know. Which I know. From the front, well, I'm going to say it. From the front, Mr. Olympia. From the back, Mr. Dayton. Yeah, I that think was, he's one of those guys that just quit altogether and just turned into. Really little. Know, I, he's got like a gut on him now. I think from what I've seen, but. Lavroni did that for a while too. I can't yeah, see putting yeah. in all that time and effort all those years and just quitting. I, I don't know. Lavroni used to take like seven months off a year, seven or eight months, even when he was finishing second well, in the Olympia. That's how crazy his genetics were, though. I could never mm -hmm. do that. I mean, he just you snapped that, back right, that Well, you also had to combine it with a lot of stuff and, and hard yeah. work and heavy weights. Come on, man. He's, he's also willing to go to places you're not willing to go to. Well, that's true, but not everybody, even that being said, not everybody can get to that point. Oh, I, oh I, absolutely. I totally agree. But there's a, there's a perfection that goes with serious bodybuilding that it's not, it's not, you're not slightly pregnant. You're either doing it full on or you're not. Yeah. And, and you're either and you're either dieting hard and doing your cardio and doing that endless lifting basically every day yeah. and you know putting your your entire life around it yeah. or you're not it's yeah. not bodybuilding's not like halfway oh i'm just going yeah it doesn't yeah it's not in in right. yeah you're either in or you're out and that was pretty I, cool. I, go ahead I told you guys this story so i went down to see him train one time and he was doing behind the necks he liked him on the smith machine but he would do 365 408 yeah, love really that very strong yeah love that yeah he did that he did 365 or whatever for like six reps then he did a down set with like 275 for 15 reps and he goes yeah I think that's good this yeah. is what i liked about him he goes i think that's good that was it for his workout he, yeah. you know, he went over and he did one arm tricep pushdowns while he was talking. Yeah. As he did, you know, but he worked out so intense. He was like, why would I do laterals, front raises, you know, all this other. I just did behind the necks with everything I had for two yeah. hours. That's, yeah. And now I'm going on. Yeah. He I, is a super strong bencher, too. And he That's... tore his pec off the bone and he's oh. still benching 500. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, the way, that's the way I train today. In fact, that's the way I trained yesterday. I worked up to an all-out set in, right. in the front front press off the rack. I did behind the neck presses with oh considerably less weight for about uh, I repped out 10, 10, 11, 10 reps, nine, yeah. ten reps, and that was it. That's all I had. Well, when you're done, you're done. I've got I could I guess I could do some lateral raises, but with what? A pair of pink five-pound dumbbells? Yeah. <laughs> I just had nothing left. Yeah. Oh, and I was supersetting that with either a lat pull downs or a pull up. Uh huh. Oh, so yeah. it'd be so it'd be a set of overhead press, uh, identical grip 
uh, pull down. If I was doing behind the neck press, I was doing behind the neck pull down. Okay. If I was doing front press, I was doing narrow grip pull up. Right. So it was back and forth. So by the time I'm done that, it's like I've done uh, shoulders and lats. I'm done. And the whole thing, you're done in 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. All I need. All right, guys, we should probably cut it off right there. Don't you think? Sounds good. Yes, sir. All right. Check out Marty's weekly column, Raw with Marty Gallagher at ironcompany.com. Visit Iron Company for all your gym equipment and flooring needs. Also, check out, we've got it up on the website. It's called the uh, Texas Shorty Bar. And what that is, is a six-foot Olympic bar with the same shaft length as a regular seven-foot bar. So if you've got... uh, uh, you're short on space in your garage or your, your home gym or whatever, and don't have room for a seven foot bar. That's a good alternative. And it's uh, rackable and all that. Give yourself a different perspective. Yeah, that's all. And then we've got new gym steel articles. They can be found at iron company in our articles section. Just go to the top of our website, the articles. Oh, wait a minute. What's it on? Uh, well, the next one coming up, cause I was just do once a month is, uh, it's called grab it and go. Sometimes you, you know, people get analysis <laughs> paralysis and they're look, watching videos uh, and reading all this stuff. Just go to the gym, start squatting and all your problems will be gone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have that one up uh, mid month because we put yeah. all gym stuff up mid month. And then um, you can also check out Jim's his very own website, boss barbell. That's B A S barbell.com. For training motivation, programs, uh, all kinds of stuff on there. Check that out. Yep. And then uh, anybody looking for radical transformation, physical transformation, that is. Uh, these guys are available for online coaching. Yep. doesn't matter where in the world you are, just as long as you're serious and you want to make uh, some strength and, and size gains or, or, you know, slim down, whatever you want. These are the guys to to hire to do that if you're looking for somebody. So you can email them at marty at ironcompany.com or jim at ironcompany.com. And Marty probably wants me to say his Instagram page. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Which is the Marty Gallagher uh, at the Marty Gallagher. That's on Instagram. And you've got Facebook page and all that. They they can just search out your... uh, Facebook page. I think Jim's got all that. I'm about to barrage the world with photographs. Nice. Hidden cache. A hidden cache of secret photos. Yes. And uh, and we'll talk about that probably at the next one after you get sorted out. It's going to be like a strength WikiLeaks. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Good one. We'll see you next week. All right, buddy. Thanks, guys. Bye.